This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. And welcome to this episode of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And this week, it's just us three. And oh my goodness. We're going to be spitballing about, well, we just thought we'd talk about what's going on in the wider property market and what's going on with us in property and just see if there's some human chat that you guys can all relate to, because I'm sure there is, because um, we're all doing different things and experiencing different things on the property side and the personal side so yeah who wants to start who's kicking us off well Matt I you're drunk that. so you should probably start because um yeah you're I'm, probably not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not drunk I'm professional uh, <laughs> professionally <laughs> drunk <laughs> um no so it is the weekend when we're recording this particular episode and yeah I'm enjoying an Aperol spritz I've had my eye on an Aperol spritz um since I walked past a sign earlier in the week and I was like, I want one of those. It's low calories. It fits with my current regime. And instead of uh, now number, on number six, I've now learned how to make them. We got went and got the ingredients because that was a lot more cost effective. With my property investor head on, I thought, let's go buy the ingredients and make something which is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, so instead of buying one, I've gone and bought the ingredients and had six. I love that. Well done. So because it's lower calories, you drink more of it? Um, uh, no, yes, yeah, <laughs> no, we, we shall, we shall see, we shall see what happens <laughs> this week. For those listeners that don't know, myself and Niall are currently on an accountability regime, all about health and fitness. And, uh, we have, well, we have certain constraints that we are following and, um, that we, that we're not being restricted on alcohol, but restricted on calories. So that's why we're looking at low calorie alcohol options if I wanted to go and have a drink. Um, and I forgot to count. How many calories are you allowed a day at the moment then, Matt? I'm not actually sure because I, I just follow what I'm, what I'm, I've got, I have a strict uh, menu that I follow. Okay. Um, so I'm, I kind of went off piece a little bit today, going, went to a food festival and an April um, and I'm, in my head working out okay well this is roughly equal to what, I've, what i'd normally have and um yeah hmm. so I'm, I'm basically because the idea behind it was to get a regime which can be uh you know long term and um you know because i kind of went into it hard with this is these are the menu that i need to eat for the next 90 days um but i wanted to transition into a more sustainable so this is just awareness of how much i'm eating what you know and it being good most of the time and then you can have, like, for example, last weekend, it was it was a wedding I went to. Uh, we went to um, taste food at our own wedding venue coming up. And, uh, you know, so the whole, and I was on holiday and up in the Northwest and in Devon. And it was very difficult to keep on top of the regime. And I saw it as a blip in, in the weight. But as soon as I went back into my normal regime, it all went off. And I went to my lowest uh, weight that I've been ever since I can remember uh, today, which was great. Wow. Yeah, I'm celebrating. <laughs> by drinking liquid sugar excellent well done and <laughs> um, the low the lowest amount of liquid sugar i can in a glass nice. which is prosecco i love prosecco oh my god i love prosecco so much I, know, I, was, I was very very happy when i found that out 
I don't want to be confined to sh- shooting vodka. <laughs> that wouldn't be good for anyone involved. It wouldn't. No. So bringing it back to property, I was thinking. Well, what's, what's not property about? We just. <laughs> I don't know we could probably loosely connect it tenuously link it to property but um, you were celebrating there you go celebrating your wins thinking cost effectively with your investor head all that good stuff um now well you while you were at a wedding last weekend Niall and I decided that we would build a flat pack wardrobe together because as property jammers will remember um I moved house and so I'd forgotten how fucking stressful that was. And it's been five years since I last moved or six years even. And you know how when it's your, your investment properties, you pay somebody to build flat pack furniture. Like right. yeah. for me in Lincoln, it's flat pack Charlie. Nice little plug for him. He's so brilliant. And it's his bread and butter, husband and wife team. So good. They build wardrobe. Is, is that, is that their business? Like they're called flat pack Charlie? Yeah, flat pack Charlie. Like that's oh, very clever. Yeah, it's so good. And like, yeah, like with HMOs, you can imagine how many wardrobes and beds and you know bedside tables that you have to construct. So just and they do it so fast. I mean, it's amazing. To say that Niall and I struggled, no, would you say that was a? a bit of a... We struggled from the from this very very start. We couldn't even get the damn thing out of the box, and there were like a hundred boxes. <laughs> And we were, as we were going through it halfway through, we were like, why didn't we just get someone to do this? Why didn't we pay someone? <laughs> okay. So a few things, right? The letting agent had given me the wrong dimensions for the room when I looked at the floor plan. So the wardrobe I've got, which is absolutely enormous, it's 2.7 meters, according to the plan, fit perfectly. So we built two thirds of it. And then the last third, which is like an annex that you kind of bolted on, we went to fit it into the final segment of the space and didn't fit. So we're like, oh my God. So we had to move the bed around to try positioning the wardrobe in a different way. Then we realized that you couldn't do it that way because if you opened the door, it hit the side of the bed. So we had to move everything back round again. And in the end, what we had to do was divide it into two parts. So we've built two thirds of it, which took nine hours nine hours and then uh order replacement parts because some of them were damaged and uh now i'm just waiting on replacement parts but they can't send replacement parts they've told me that they're going to send me a whole new bloody wardrobe so i've got an entire 2.7 meter wardrobe rocking up next week and i actually when they sent me that email i thought i was going to cry so yeah next time property jammers you think about flat packing apply the same logic that you would to your investment portfolio do not diy it it's just not worth it and the next time a friend asks if (laughs) you would like to help them to build a wardrobe on a sunday afternoon the answer is no No. fuck off (laughs) niall Niall, um so i'll be moving house in uh (laughs) i'll come for the housewarming yeah do that yeah, I have to say, say Nile is, is very good at um, turning up to move house. Uh, he's done it the last two times. And um, Nile not times. moved house three times. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, three times. Yes, I've done it three times. London, Hove, Worthing. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. Much appreciated. And uh, he's not moved once in that time to repay the favour. So I'm not looking forward to <laughs> when that happens. Oh do you know what? I'm just going to take the day off and you guys can do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
I can see it happening. Honestly, if I you ask me, I'll pay. I'll pay someone to come in. I'll, I'll pay Flatpak Charlie to come down from Lincoln. Honestly, <laughs> Flatpak Charlie and his lovely wife—they're amazing. But it, it does make you realize what a skill it is. Like, and I have to say, like, no, I was just so brilliant. Not only did he help me move, he did also, you know, help me with the the Flatpak furniture building. And I have to say, no, your head is really logical. You know. <laughs> look at Matt's face <laughs> no honestly we talk about the same person here and I swear to god because like what he's really good at is he'll know something's the wrong way around back to front sideways because what he can do he can see bigger picture so he's like oh that bit needs to go with that bit because that logically traverses that bit and you need to have that because the weight will counteract that so that the door doesn't split and I'm all like all right physics man like Jesus like he's so logical and I wasn't expecting to see that side of you so I learned a lot about you last Sunday it was very insightful sounds like skills we need to get in into the business a bit more like how, how can we use those skills <laughs> that's that's why I'm in the side of the on in charge of the property stuff because I yeah. can see things better on that end of the business yeah you've got a big picture sort of brain haven't you being on site and stuff like that that's where I'm in my uh, comfort zone in my element yeah it was really impressive it was whereas I was a bit more like you know ah be fine or fuck it I'm sure it will hold and he was like no no no, that doesn't kind of like the law of gravity dictates it won't and I was like oh okay right as soon as Hetty jumps on it the whole thing's falling apart oh, totally and honestly she has as well so I said to Niall the other uh, it, was, it was a couple of days after we'd built it I was I just burst into tears because what happened was I had to move it across two inches so I could access a plug socket and the back panel just flew out and I can't get it back in. And it's knocked everything out. All my shelves then dropped. And I, 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 had, to, I had to take everything out, put the shelving back in. And then honestly, this wardrobe from a very reputable company as well, it's just been the bane of my life. I've cried more over this flat pack than I have over anything else in my life, I think. But anyway, the, yeah, the message is get somebody else to build it for you. Why would you put yourself through it? Put your investor head on. Yeah, it, it is a strange thing that we, you're right, and that, that we put all this talking about leverage and outsourcing everything in your business. Um, and when it comes to your own life, uh, you know, I've, I've gone and bought the ingredients for, um, <laughs> for, for, for this drink rather than have someone else make it for me. Um, and yeah, just like the thought of paying thousands of pounds to someone else to move house when it's actually quite straightforward to move myself. It's like, I, I yeah, I, I get it. But if it was our if it was an investment property or business, you would just pay it. Absolutely. You know, a few years I just ago, don't, it's, it's very weird. When we moved several years ago, um, Alex's company paid for removals and they just came in in the morning and literally just, we they came in and we left. They packed everything up into boxes, took it to the new place and set it all up. It was the most stress-free move that I've ever done. So great. Is, is that what's happening again this time? Yeah. <laughs> Just need to find someone to pay for it. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because with your property portfolio, you know what's paying for it because the deal is paying for it when you exit. So you've kind of already factored it in as like a recoverable mm. cost. But when it's like your domestic, there's no exit. So you're like... Yeah, it's slightly different, but I think you do just naturally have a slight, because it's yours, there's a sense of control. So Niall and I were saying this, like if I moved again, I would definitely pay a removals company to do it, but you can't pay a removals company to get things how you want it when you unpack, because that is such a personal thing. 
um you know and it's like when tenants move into your property you know you couldn't as the landlord just come in and sort of offer that as a service they have to put their own personal stamp on that buy to let or that room in an HMO you can't dictate it it's so personal so yeah um that's that's something that companies you can't leverage you can't leverage that yeah putting your own stamp on something is 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 personal to you yeah but um yeah ever since like when when I moved from London to Hove getting like, two men in a van I, I packed everything up but they just moved everything so quickly mm. it, it, actually that move Niall turned up pretty much as everything was unloaded <laughs> well because, done Niall <laughs> well no just because they, they, they were so quick at doing everything yeah yeah it was just done and done um so uh yeah no I, I'm definitely I'm part leveraged Mm, yeah, but the sure. thing was where I was moving 400 yards down the street it just I almost in my head could not justify a removals company like it just felt so ridiculous mm. so it, it, it was me and Nile and like a, a furniture skate taking giant white units down the street and me crashing into lampposts and also we had such a laugh didn't we, we it was good fun yeah it was good fun. and then my mum came over and you know, she did sort of like good old fashioned kiwi baking and sandwiches and scotch eggs. It was so cute, which obviously Noel couldn't eat because he's vegan. It was perfect. It was so great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd forgotten actually just how traumatic it is to, not traumatic, how, what a big deal it is to move yeah. house. And it, you know, you kind of step into the tenant shoes, you know, for the first time in a mm. long time. And, you know, you think when you're on the business side of things, you know, it's getting the project over the line, you know, getting the refinance through. But then the life of the property begins really when the tenant moves in and that sort of settling in phase, you, you're not part of that. Well, so it's it was, making the house a home at that point. Yeah. 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 So it was a good reminder of that whole process and how important it is to have it set up right. So for example, this place I've moved into, as I said, I've sold my flat and I'm renting for a while. And I'm like, this landlord has not um, put drawers in the kitchen. That's weird, right? What? Like what? <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's all cupboards. It's, it's very obvious when you see, when you're in the house and spending more time there because I, I I didn't even notice a lot of the things in there, but it's very obvious that it has been designed by a man. Mm. There's there are there's there's no mirror in the bathroom as an example that that hadn't been put in there is now it's been there is now. Yeah. <laughs> drawers yeah. in the kitchen you know the little things that just make it easier to live in the house yeah because you can't have cutlery in a cupboard because you, you have to when you open a cupboard from a, an end user perspective you normally have something in your hand and you need to pull something out in order to grab the the cutlery you don't want to reach in so it was, it was just a completely illogical I've almost you know I'm spoiled for cupboard space but there was no drawers so I've had to repurpose some bedroom furniture like a chest of drawers which actually works really well in the kitchen um in order to to function so it was just like it, but I didn't think to look for that when I was walking around viewing it and I kind of had to take what I could get because of my time constraints. So yeah, it's just, so the importance of design, the importance of putting things, you know, in that make living in a property so seamless, again, was highlighted by this whole process, you know. Um, I've not been a tenant for years, years and years. So that control being taken away is a really interesting thing as well, mm. um, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a shift. It is a shift going from ownership to renting again, I have to say. Yeah, not one I've been entirely comfortable with. But yeah, it is what it is, you know. It's, um, it's just different. feels different. 
That's interesting, yeah, because uh, as you know, Niall and I have been tenants our entire lives. Yeah. So, um, and ownership is just around the corner. So for us, it's going to be, well, for, 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 I can't speak for Niall, but for myself, um, it's you know, the idea of buying my own house feels very, was partly onerous, partly excitement, partly I've been through this process a thousand times before, but I, I know this is more of an, a much, much more of an emotional decision than anything else I've done before. Uh, and you know, we've already started looking at houses to buy and, you know, I want it to be a project. I want it to be something that I can make some money on because I've got my investor head on again. Uh, so it's not, it's not just April spritz. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's property. So I want it to be something that, that can you know, test the, you know, last the test of time and, and make some money in the short term. So, yeah, it's going to be a weird process going to homeowner as opposed to someone else's homeowner. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you've got similar thoughts now. Yeah, definitely. Because I think I don't see, I've not really been bothered about owning the house I live in. That's never really been massive for me. But now that we're thinking about doing it, maybe towards the end of this year, um, I'm thinking, okay, so even though it's a house I'm going to live in myself, it still has to work with the investment side as well, because I don't intend to live there forever. So it will be a flip eventually. Um, so some place that can be renovated, extended, uh, added value uh, to the property. That's what I'm thinking. Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I did with the flat that I bought, wasn't it? You know, like it, I actually bought it with my investor head and, you know, uh, it never felt like a home. Uh, no, that's not true. It never felt like it was, um, uh, it always felt like it had an investment element to it. I never thought, oh, this is going to be my forever house. Or I never thought it always had that sort of potential and possibility element to it. Uh, and so, yeah, moving out of it. And do you know what I was realizing as well? Just the impact of what a small, small cosmetic changes can make in the value of a property. Because even though you guys know I, both, I had planning on that property to extend it backwards and sideways, which we actually ended up selling with the property. And, but in the interim, just to get it to the price we wanted, we just did a tiny little paint job and honestly just freshened everything up. It didn't cost me any more than about 1500 pounds. And it added tens of thousands of pounds to the property price. I mean, what a difference it made. And again, I'd forgotten the impact of not, because we're not used to doing those small cosmetic things. In the main, we do much bigger projects, you know, mm. where we're adding on suites and doing major reconfigurations and getting going through planning gain. And this is not like anything like that. It was just like, oh, wow, it, re it really works. This like sort of just cosmetic facelift thing. Yeah, because that, yeah. that helps with, the, with the, from the perception of the person that's coming to view the property, but it also helps with the agent and their, ability to sell it yeah. because they're they're much more enthused and will be more excited about a house that looks good because it's good for them to sell it as opposed to selling something that looks like shit absolutely and it was just it, honestly a lick of paint makes such a huge difference to a property and um it really made it feel homely and bright and clean <laughs> and yeah really and it got us the, the the price that we were looking for I mean, we actually sold higher than we anticipated we were only 10k under asking which you know, as partly the market to thank for that because it's so buoyant at the moment. But yeah, really grateful. 
so yeah um it all came together but yeah that like I said that transition to going from homeowner to tenant's been an unusual one like you were saying Matt you know when you're that you almost there's something onerous about owning a property because it's your responsibility <laughs> so you know you have to do everything whereas this I'm just like well that's his problem no, that's his problem well he can deal with that like you know it's like yes it's quite liberating I'm like <laughs> it's his problem is he actually going to deal with it is the question well he lives upstairs so he better all right okay you just start banging on the ceiling if it doesn't come <laughs> honestly no i think he apparently he's um i was a bit put off by that my landlord lives upstairs that's a bit awkward but actually he's he's uh, relocating to north london at some point i think it's going to rent out the property upstairs so yeah i don't know it's a it's it's a funny old feeling but it's definitely been yeah it's been an eye-opener to the tenant experience again and one that can only benefit us as landlords for sure um you know the importance of getting a space mapped out right and having all the basics in place like an aerial socket this has this place has got an aerial socket do you know what that's that's quite common mm. um, and it, it is a bit of an afterthought you know when we're doing our uh, hmo conversions it's part of the schedule of works but um i have done a couple of buy to lets over the last few years and um just left it to a local contractor to deal with mm. and um i haven't given it the same level of attention as i would some of the other buy to lets and then First question that I've always got, <laughs> well, on one property in particular I'm thinking of, um, there was a aerial socket, but no one tested it. All right. Um, and everyone assumed that that just worked. And you know, the contractor, I assumed when I built, bought it, the contractor assumed, and it was just a cable lying on the floor. Um, and, you look, you know, and it was going through the window and realized it wasn't attached to anything on the other end. <laughs> so it's just so, a random uh, cable. <laughs> it's just a random cable. And so the tenant says, it, and um, so yeah, the tenant's saying, is there a TV socket? He's like, yeah, working TV, of course there is. And uh, <laughs> so it's quite easy to overlook some of these things. But um, just coming back to what you're saying about that, that random lick of paint, hmm. uh, Niall and I have just set up um, a sourcing arm to our business. So we're now sourcing properties for other people. Because um, the number one question we get used to get asked was, hey, do you source property? We're just like, no, we don't have time for it. And then so I just thought, well, yeah let's just do it because so many people are asking for it and we're constantly looking for property so um and niall took um uh, one of our first clients up to view a whole bunch of properties and this would be a first-time investor and i hand over to you now but his percent I, I think he he must have had a different image in his mind of what property investing was yeah <clears throat> and i guess they come from a completely different walk of life as well um, so this guy's got a really good career. Um, so he's well paid, live in a nice house, um, nice part of town. Um, and where we were looking for properties was in the north northwest. Um, and we're looking for a little cheap and cheerful buy to let type style to get started. And um, some there was a portfolio of about seven or eight properties which are which had been which is owned by the one landlord. The same landlord owns them all, and most of them were tenanted. Um, and when we went in to view these properties, they really had their eyes open for them as to how some people are actually expected to live. Um, so, so the properties, um, like I said, had been tenanted, but this landlord hadn't done anything to the properties in years. I would say a good 20 years since anything has been done. Um, whereas the stereotypical, you have wood cladding everywhere, or sorry, uh, what do you call it? Is wood cladding? Yeah. yeah. If it's yeah. wood and it's flat on the wall, then yes, it's wood cladding. Like an yeah. alpine ski lodge, vile. Yeah. Yeah, it was awful. Um, like you had the 
the the standard um like 1960s bathroom style really old um boilers with the water tanks in them in the bathroom still um place had not seen a lick of paint in any time and the people that were living in the house so there's young families there um and just to have to see that they have were expected to live like that because the landlord's too miserable to put in a new boiler in 20 years um, and they got really taken aback by the amount of work that would be needed or what they perceived would be needed to actually bring the property up to a good standard. Um, but where these properties are, you could spend maybe £15,000 on them and have a really nice house at the end. You don't need to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds, but the thought of doing that level of work just really um, put them off. Really? What they wanted was, they, we saw another few properties which had been... Uh, properly done up and the landlord had renovated them to sell and they were so impressed with that style they're like oh this is really good we're ready to go we can just move tenants in straight away and they were really happy with that so it's just the perception of how they looked at it in the sense that you know they were looking at it with a more emotional view than with an investor's head on um whereas if they buy one of those really rundown properties renovate them then they've provided a nice house for somebody to live in so the people that are currently living in really run down properties um can suddenly have a really nice house to live in yeah 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 it's it's, it's a baptism of fire isn't it when someone's <clears throat> coming at it completely new even just on a smaller project it's um such an eye-opener isn't it really is and it really took me back to when i started like viewing properties for the very first time like i none of us had ever bought property before i'd never done any viewings like that um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy just to that first, uh, first few days of viewings, just to see what's on the market and how landlords actually look after or don't look after their properties or the people that's living in them. Yeah. It's... It, it, it is a good reminder of what it is like to be a beginner investor mm. because, uh, because of that perception of what being a property investor is from the outside yeah. i think that it, it can look quite glamorous from the outside and you know you see all the pictures of nice properties and all of this going on but you no know, property investing is you know it is about getting amongst the you know the you know, the, the the muck and and sorting it out and making it good mm. that's where that's where um that the, the money is as, as we know as, as most of our listeners will know that um you know we, we enjoy buying those types of properties and, and making something um making a you know, lemonade out of those lemons yeah. so um and even even with with me helping them through the process and pretty much doing the work for them they still thought it was going to be too much work for them to take on as a first as a first uh, time investor yeah. and it's just like just you know, getting them used to that process, it really kind of re made me remember, you know, what it was like myself and having somebody there to help you along is so much better. But it's, a, it's the curse of the, the shiny penny, isn't it? Every time it's mm. like, you know, often you hear, certainly on the teaching side, it's often students who have seen the off plan you know, the sex appeal of the, of the off plan, you know, the, the something it's all done for you. You just buy a ready-made project and you park right. your money and it grows and that's how property works. And as soon as it goes into the, Oh no, you're buying something, adding value. And it's like, Oh <laughs> no, no, no. Like it's just, it's too much 
to mentally process when actually that's the far more sensible thing to do you can see how it happens yeah definitely uh so for today i thought we would have a guest so um we, normally we would do episode roulette at this point so i thought how could we do our own version of um, episode roulette without going back to previous episodes so um i thought we've got a, a really nice tool called uh, google um and we could maybe google some terms google some um things that are going on in the world right now to do with property and just see what comes up uh, in the news feed and see what uh you know what our thoughts are so um, i've started by just googling uk property and seeing uh, what comes up so in the news feed today uh which is very close to the day that this episode comes out far too close some might <laughs> say um <laughs> But <laughs> um, so first thing that comes up, I'm actually looking for a story which is um, recent because a lot, a lot of these are like a few days ago, a few weeks ago. Uh, five days ago from The Guardian, UK house prices rise at fastest rate since 2004 amid stamp duty rush. So this particular article is uh, talking about the nationwide saying that all areas of the country recorded growth with London prices increasing by 7.3% uh, and um, taking the average price of a UK home um, in June for, uh, to £245,500, taking the annual rate to 13.4%. That, as um, those of you who know about anything that we do, uh, or know that, that is above the long-term average so we're massively above, actually quite a bit above the long-term average, uh, which is great. Um, I'm going to hold the rest of my opinion over to you guys. Really? Niall. Yeah, it's not really surprising really, is it, after the year that we've had? You know, a lot of people, that we've, we've found it difficult to find deals at stack because prices have just skyrocketed. Um, finding properties that work for our strategy in the areas that was easy enough to find them 18 months ago or 14 months ago has suddenly disappeared. Um, how long will it last? You know, it'll have to correct itself eventually, I say, I would say. Um, it, 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 we've come to the end of the stamp duty holiday now. Um, we're coming out of lockdown. A lot of people who were at home for so long in a smaller house perhaps thought, you know what, we need a bigger house, we need to move. Uh, we need to find more space, we need to renovate or whatever it might be. And so there's a lot of homeowners moving as opposed to investors buying. I think there are a lot of investors sitting on their money, waiting for things to settle before they move forward or start buying again. I'm not going to lie, that's me. That's, mm. that's completely me. I mean, partly <clears throat> circumstantially, but, you know, my flat was relatively easy to sell because of exactly these drivers, you know, people suddenly on the move again, trying to make the most of the stamp duty uh, holiday. And um, yeah, but in terms of my investment areas, it's, it's silly. It's such a lot of energy to go up to my investment areas and, you know, do the viewings and only for it to be quite fruitless because it's just, unbelievably frenzied at the moment with people going in well above what the property's actually worth even with you know enhanced works 
it, you can't justify the the acquisition because it's just too much. It's just too, it's just insane. Mm. So unless you're able to do something privately, you know, just going down the open market route is definitely not something that I've been able or have a, an inclination to put my energy into, which has been a little bit frustrating. But based on what that article showing. I don't know about you guys, but I just get a sense that the rest of 2021, we're just going to see things just peter down a little bit. I don't think it's going to happen immediately. I don't even think by the autumn people will be, I think there's going to be a flurry for some time, but towards the new year, I think we're going to, I suspect, I mean, we never know, do we? But I suspect things will level off a wee bit. Yeah, I agree. And interestingly enough, the people have been so focused on this stamp duty holiday that they're paying more for a property than they would have done without the stamp duty savings. They're actually out of pocket more um, with this hyperinflated market. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? And it's, yeah. And that doesn't make any sense, really. And especially if you're looking at really low-valued properties that aren't really impacted by stamp duty anyway, yeah. and they've still skyrocketed. So what, what, what is the issue there? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's insane. It's, uh, but again, I suppose it's like that's the domestic market for you. You know, people aren't going into it with an investor head. They're going into it with a, oh, you know, let's make the most of it. Now's the time head. You know, it's a very personal decision. So... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see where we are in, in the grand scheme of you know, the long-term picture. That's something I'll probably need to do a bit of research into, but um, cool. Um, over to you guys. What would you like to research on our um, Google roulette? Oh, that put us on the spot. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I'm just... Well, the thing that jumped into my head was something around the student housing market, because obviously a lot of what's happened means teaching still at the moment is online. So the next academic year is September. So I don't know, Google something along. Student property. Student property in 2021 or, yeah, private rented accommodation sector students. Well, as as a student landlord, did you have any problems or any issues this year renting as opposed to any other year? The opposite. My rental rates have gone up significantly because, as you know, my stuff is um unsweeted so the demand for that went up therefore the rental rates went up and yeah filled I mean just filled no problem um but I know that that's quite that's not the story right across the country because I also know there are student landlords you know that I'm friends with who really struggled because people are moving back home because they're thinking well why I don't need to take a big loan for my accommodation anymore because everything I'm doing is online so I might as well live with mum and dad but that creates a completely different student experience you know and I can speak to that because I I didn't live out of home when I was a student and I had a completely different experience to everyone else so um yeah what's it saying Matt okay so I've googled um student property and two articles that have come up Uh, In fact, uh, three, one which is a few weeks ago. Uh, The first one, which is investment in student property is ramping up. Mm, So this is private equity firms are ramping up their investments in student accommodation, pumping hundreds of millions into the sector with an eye on high rental returns in a post-Brexit, post-COVID Britain. 
So basically, uh, this is James Lang and Sal that have done this. Like one third of deals for student property in 2021 so far have been financed by private equity compared to about 15% from 2016 to 2019. So basically, um, I think what they're, what they're seeing is that it's almost a bit like a, an elastic band which has been pulled, kind of being pulled backwards at the moment and is about to be shot forward as students are like, I actually want the student experience. And you've got these students that have had this weird 18 months, two years of, um, of life. And then these other people coming out going, well, actually, yeah. And also, especially in a post-COVID world where the UK is possibly one of the one of the leaders in being more COVID free or COVID tolerant, um, that it's going to attract other countries so that people can have a student accommodate a student experience for the 2021-2022 academic year, um, whereas they can't somewhere else in the world because of COVID restrictions. So um, all they have to do is come over with a test and uh you know vaccination or, or, or whatever and they could actually get experience so i think um yeah there's a massive in influx of investment into purpose-built student accommodation and also um a lot of the purpose-built student accommodation um well one in particular chance to a guy that knows his sector quite well and um, they're even now going in and buying up the houses the hmos so the purpose-built student um, companies they, that specialize in purpose-built are now coming in and basically buying out the student housing sector in, in the town as well, uh, which is very interesting. So putting their own unique student call stamp on HMOs. Interesting. Um, Where, is second, Where is that happening? Um, in numerous cities around the UK, because um, I can't remember the name of the, the firm, but uh, yeah, they are actively... Uh, they've got they got thousands of rooms in, across the UK, and now they're going in and buying up um, uh, HMOs and turning them into their own. Um, uh, yeah, they're basically hedging their bets against student halls being not wanted um, by certain parts of the market. So it's really interesting, mm-hmm. and will have a huge knock-on impact for the for the smaller landlords um, like mm-hmm. ourselves, you know, with hundreds of units rather than thousands of units. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the second one was buy to let redecoration tips. How often should ben, should landlords redecorate a rental property? Well, that all very much depends, doesn't it? Yeah, you, oh, that's not a that's not a straightforward answer or question to answer. Yeah, yeah with, with the buy to lets, I mean, if it's just a, a vanilla buy to let, for me, it would probably be every five years because you know you just set and forget. Like Nile's favourite saying is like set and forget. You know you probably have to replace the carpets and you know fresh lick of paint. Five years, I think, is is quite reasonable. With the uh, HMOs, it's completely different. It's every year. You know, I have about a grand per property set aside just to do the turnover of tenants because you know the foot traffic and well the student market in particular. You get the idea. It's not a not the cleanest of markets. So you know you have to have to allocate yeah i think so and i've noticed recently as well there have been quite a few of our uh, buy to let tenants have just been asking us if they can decorate themselves yeah because they want to put their own stamp on it so it's one thing us going in to give it a fresh lick of paint but it's their home at the end of the day so if they want to paint it to sit themselves then go for it yeah uh, especially if they're longer term um but one thing actually matt when you are googling i've noticed recently is that over the past few weeks, now that lockdown has been relaxing even more, people are moving. We've had so many people hand in their notice across the portfolio over the past two to three weeks. Is, is that a thing happening in all over the country? 
I would, because it's happened in, um, yeah, in Warrington, as an example, we've had about four people over a period of two to three weeks in the same house, all hand in their notice for various reasons. Some people are um, moving in with the partners. Some people are moving because of jobs, but it's lit, they were all there for pretty much the same length of time. And then they all disappeared. Wow. Well, I, th- well, I, I can't see anything about it on Google, um, but my gut says that uh, yeah, yeah, like, these are good quality houses they're moving out of. It's it's life, you know, life's moved on mm. um, for various reasons, and maybe lockdown has postponed the moving on of that that person's life for a period of time, and now they got to that point where it's like now I can, I can move on, I can get that job. Um, yeah, I want. I've been wanting to move careers. I've been wanting to move location, uh, and now the opportunity has arisen because there's a job available where I want to go, or as you say, moving in with a partner or friends is now possible. Um, so, um, yeah, I think there's again, it's that elastic band which has been kind of being pulled and now is being freed. We're going to see kind of a, a bit of a reaction to the end of lockdown, and then things will settle. Same with same with prices, house prices. But yeah, they've been pulled this way, and then I think we're going to see a counter reaction, and then it will settle again. But on the up is is my uh, estimation. I don't think it's going to be a huge drop; just a bit of a enough enough of a, a lull to enable me to buy a cheap house, and then it's going to go back up again. Works <laughs> in your favour, mate. As long as it's exactly. yeah, just be ready. Be ready. A good deal in a good market. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I think you're right. I think I think it's um, it's common sense, isn't it? It says the world's been hiding behind closed doors for near on, uh, you know, over a year. So now it's on the move. And um, mm. I suppose, you know, and, and think about what that means. Like, so it's interesting, Noel, you were saying that one's moving in with a partner because they can. One's moving because they've got a new job because they're, you know, they're actively seeking opportunities. I suppose that, you know, there's all these different life circumstances that are going to um, mean that people are making change. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 it does make sense. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. interesting to watch, it's isn't just, it? It's just it, I just when it, when it all happened around the same time, I was like, shit, is this in this house? What we, what what am I not seeing here? I not get the memo. Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> <Start to> panic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's timing, isn't it? It's all timing. So yeah, definitely. Also, those rooms are filling again. So it's not. Oh like yeah, they are filling. Yeah, no, no no, yeah, 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 yeah circle of life but it's just again i think it comes down to we we're talking about like what properties looked like earlier there's one of the rooms and um the agent we work with up in, in the northwest is really good and um he's, he we would quite happily do viewings now that when before tenants move out if the rooms look good enough and he's like we're happy to do it on two or three of them but there's one room in particular that just smells too badly oh, <laughs> no. not putting anybody to view that room until he's out and we've deep cleaned it. <laughs> oh, you're, what does it? Oh, I, don't, I shouldn't even ask. Don't, don't even go there. Don't even go there. It's, it's a boy's room. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the, um, the, the final topic that I want to, I've, I've just quickly Googled uh, were, is materials shortage. Oh, God, yeah. Um, which is something that we've found on one of our projects well the, the project which is ongoing at the moment um yeah the inability to get um, short, uh, materials i found one uh, article from construction news uh which is from this week 
An unprecedented material shortage in the construction sector will continue well into the second half of 2021, the Construction Leadership Council has warned. Timber, roof tiles and bagged cement head the list of materials in short supply. Um, record demand for building materials and full pipelines of work have led to unprecedented uh, challenges. Um, insulation boards are also facing a supply squeeze. Um, with alternatives looking at different solutions for insulation rather than the, you know, their standard uh, forms of um, supplies and pl a plasterboard. Um, yeah, a critical nationwide problem, they are saying, as the industry is facing 15,000 fewer haulier drivers due to Brexit, while 30,000 HGV driver tests were also postponed. Uh, delays in brick and block deliveries have been reported as well. Mm. Mm. Electrical products are in further short supply due to a shipping backlog in China's Pearl River Delta. As hundreds of ships wait to dock, the blockade is worse than the Suez Canal blockade in March, according to the Electrical Contractors Association. So this sounds seems like a bit of a perfect storm. So many things going on around the world, which have just led to just the industry coming to a halt. Um, I'm going to keep reading this while you guys can't, um, go. Yeah, have a look. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because you, you don't think about these things. You know, you just go to B&Q and you pick up whatever materials you need or, or the, whatever hardware store you choose to go to. <laughs> but, you know, you don't think about these supply. things becoming, uh, yeah, in such short supply. And then not only does it impact, obviously, the length of time it takes to complete a refurbishment, but it also impacts the cost because there's because materials are just skyrocketing like the purchase prices of properties have gone up. Um, so it's... Yeah, it's just we. I think the project we're on, it's added at least six weeks to the end of the project. I mean, that's a significant cost, isn't it? Time and money. I mean, yeah. wow. And then, yeah, because that that's, and then if you when you're on a bridge, it's it's working with one of our joint venture partners, but they're the property's on a bridge. You know, you the, the clock's ticking. Um. So you know, it's it's an expensive an expensive part of the whole process. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh. God, I mean, I remember when lockdown proper was really happening and, you know, social distancing renovations were going on. It was plaster. Do you know, it was plaster that was almost like gold dust. You couldn't get hold of it. And if you could, it was just so expensive. But then, I, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people. I was talking to a building surveyor the other day and he was like, these massive construction, these massive development companies, they obviously bulk buy these products. And what happens is, is they just sit in storage, you know, for, for ages, just, you know, and it's there. And, you know, while there's a national shortage, you've got these huge development companies with like these raw materials just sat in a warehouse doing absolutely nothing until the next project. Sometimes it just gets disposed of. So it's a bit like, you know, with like... Um, uh, we always have a you know hose pipe bands yet there's like leaking pipes everywhere it's the same problem you know it's like you can you can reconcile the two but what a nightmare for for the investor at the moment mm. yeah it's crazy yeah. No, it really is and uh, I, I heard a story uh, it was a friend of a friend who had ordered um, a whole bunch of plasterboard he ordered about £5,000 worth of plasterboard and then it came to the day to pick up his order and he got a phone call from the bills merchant saying, um, someone's just offered me £8,000 for your plasterboard. You need to pay me £8,000 for it or I'm going to sell it to them. Stop it. Wow. And the guy had to pay eight grand for these. But yeah, the price shot up over 50%. It's just money talks, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah. Demand and supply. 
That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. However, good news is that cement sort shortages should be resolved this summer as the majority of that material is produced in the UK. So Yay. good news is that cement should be on the up. Timber and steel, though, um, is very vul vulnerable to uh, importing. So, um, yeah, we didn't mention steel and windows, which are two big ones as well that we've had um, delays on. So uh, just to finish with an informative tip, um, get your materials or audio materials well in advance and um, stock, stock up like the big boys do. Um, if you've got a, a warehouse or a storage unit or your garage or your outhouse or your garden or your cellar, wherever it is, just pop your materials down there and, uh, yeah, cause, uh, you know, <laughs> cause a problem for all of us. And also make your contracts, <laughs> make your contracts with your builders nice and tight so there's no wiggle room on price if something doesn't. Almost definitely. Mm, very true. God, you know how it is. It's like, oh, you know, well, you know, cost of materials, love. It's gone up, isn't it? What can I do? My hands are tied. And you're like, yeah, look at the JCT. <laughs> yeah. In fact, this is why um, my, my sister has a build going on at the moment, well, about to start a build. And normally the uh, yeah, your build uh, quote might be valid for four weeks or eight weeks. Uh, the build quotes they're getting at the moment are valid for two days. If they don't instruct within two days, the quote gets revised um, because the cost of skills still um, a couple of weeks ago was going up by 9% a week. God, 9% uh, a week? That's what the builder was telling them. Again, hearsay, but... Um, 9% uh, a week that sounds a little bit inflated doesn't it uh, it does and it may well have been inflated but it may well have been inflated enough to say that's why we're only going to we're going to going to um, you know stick to our quote for a couple of days um, but um, they're right if you don't instruct if, if they can't um, buy their materials at the price that they quote the job at mm -hmm. then they're not going to hold to that price so as you say um, don't dilly and dally at the moment or if you can wait to do a build, just just wait until a lot of these things are resolved um, towards the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah just be just be sensible. Yeah, mm. be sensible. Oh my goodness, that's what what an unproperty jam thing to end. What have we done? <laughs> We're just looking after the well-being of our loyal <laughs> listeners. <laughs> The well-being episode. There the it well -being is. Episode. <laughs> a mental but, health check in property. Yes. But on that note, I think we need to wrap up uh, and say thank you for listening. Uh, it's been a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see, see you on, on the next, next episode, episode.